Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond the million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. And welcome, everyone, to Blunt Business, presented by Strainwise Consulting. Thank you so much for joining us. So when you take the word cannabis, take the letter C-A off of it, you get the word nabis. And we're going to talk about nabis today because we're going to speak with Vincent Ning. He's the CEO and co-founder of Nabis, N-A-B-I-S. It's a software-enabled, licensed cannabis distributor based in Oakland, California, providing cannabis brands and cultivators with a full suite of distribution services around logistics, sales, and software. And obviously being a California-based, we're going to get a chance to really get an idea from somebody who's working with a lot of businesses in the California cannabis industry, work about what's being done, the research results that are being learned, and get some feedback from somebody who is well-entrenched into the community in California. With that said, Vince Ning, welcome to Blunt Business. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited to be here and talk about cannabis in California as well as, uh, you know, how our company's positioned in it and, you know, what we're trying to achieve here. Excellent. Well, Vince, let's talk briefly about your background. Now, being a California, you're not that, you were part of Silicon Valley, part of that team. You were an engineer originally at Microsoft and the founder of Scaphold, which was a company that graduated from the Silicon-based Seed Accelerator, very prominently known Y Combinator, and the company then eventually was sold to Amazon. And then you joined Navis with the goal of bringing modern logistics practices to the cannabis <clears throat> industry. Now, what a, what a profitable industry in Silicon Valley. What made you decide to leave there for cannabis? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I actually personally think about this one all the time. Um, and I think it was a multitude of reasons that kind of all came together at the perfect storm kind of time. Um, so, you know, of course, um, after my last company, I was looking for something new to dig my nails into and um, looking for, you know, after having learned a couple of things here and there about my, like through my uh, through operating and building my last company, I was looking for kind of a large market that was completely under uh, underutilized, undertaken, um, and something that I could apply, you know, what I've learned through technology and building interesting, um, you know, technology tools um, to apply to in, the, in a new industry. And so I was looking at, you know, traditionally uh, like agricultural industries um, where technology is not the most developed um, in, uh, from a software sense. Um, and then in addition, you know, Crypto was another thing, and then cannabis being, um, you know, the big ticket item that uh, I decided to dig my nails into, um, just because it was not only a an industry where technology is underutilized, it's one where the whole industry was just brand totally new, um, and it was uh, it was greenfield, and I got into it just by helping out a few friends who um, uh, own cannabis brands and company. 
companies um, that ship across, uh, ship their products across California to, you know, various ease depots and retail dispensaries and all the like. And that was just kind of my way to learn about, <clears throat> learn about the industry um, and kind of meet all the people who work in the industry. And I didn't really expect that to turn into a business in and of itself, um, shipping product in my personal car for a little bit um, last year when there was no, <laughs> you know, licensing or compliance regulation around how to deliver product. Um, and then yeah. once the regulation came out, I was like, in order to continue doing this um, and make more money doing it, I guess I should probably get a license. Well, now and let me so go ahead and, when, <laughs> before I go into yeah, that, I want to just get back into the back real quick, just the, the transition. Because of the fact that with Silicon Valley, you know, there was a time where Silicon Valley, it was kind of like where cannabis was because it was kind of wild west, right. a lot of creative freedom mm -hmm. and a lot of room to grow. And then, you know, it got very much, you know, the corporatization kind of fell into play. And so the, mm -hmm. the, the, the atmosphere, even though it was still there, some of the fun and some of the relaxing kind of deal where it was a little bit less stressed, they were trying to make it, you know, you see movies that are always talking about a social network and the circle. And it doesn't feel so much that anymore, but then you make this over here where there's a lot of creative freedom to get into cannabis. I mean, do you kind of take that same perspective the way I'm kind of pointing that out? Yeah, no, that's, that's totally what it is. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I guess I kind of, when you see all those movies, they always depict technology or the tech industry in like the early nineties and early two thousands. Um, and that was not the industry that I joined into, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that was not the industry that I joined into right after college. Um, it was it was pretty much like the corporate um, tech world that had already been built up by pioneers of the past. And this was kind of this total greenfield industry that um, was very reminiscent of what uh, you know the tech renaissance was back in Silicon Valley. You know when the when when tech was just booming. Yeah. Um, so like to, you know to your point, um, there is a lot of creative freedom currently in this space um, to apply you know, various different technologies, um, philosophies, um, reinvent the way, um, for us at least, you know, how distribution works. And it's very important for people that want to get into the industry that there is a bit of a sunset period right now that is in play. And I think mm -hmm. much like Silicon Valley, the cannabis industry is going to get to that point, but it's very important mm -hmm. for people to get into the door as soon as they can with what they're looking to do. So if they're looking to invest, they want to start something up, let's talk about that. Now, you've been very active on the investment front as an industry startup, and you recently said, uh, quote, there's still this massive taboo around cannabis in the VC community, specifically due to regulatory volatility and traditional LP wariness. At the same time, mm -hmm. cannabis investments often present a compelling market opportunity paired with a growing body of evidence that supports distinct health benefits checking critical boxes in the routine diligence processes that VCs engage with. Long quote. Talk to me about how you have had to navigate the waters of investment and VC funding to get where the, the company is today. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, compared to my experience raising money for uh, my last company in Silicon Valley, totally building just a, um, you know, a pure SaaS company, a pure SaaS product, um, that was a, a much easier time fundraising because people, it, it was a known quantity um, as a business. Um, the business model was very tried and true and the, the products people were familiar with and there are a lot of benchmarks and you know, Silicon Valley investors um, have heuristics to base their uh, fundamental analysis on for these companies. So you know, the money 
uh, as far as the fundraising goes, uh, definitely came in a lot easier than it does uh, currently for the cannabis industry. Um, and, you know, that's starting to change pretty quickly just due to, you know, Canadian legalization, all the positive um, sentiments and positive wins that have um, kind of shaken through the cracks through the midterm elections recently. Um, but, you know, when we got into this and we were trying to start a business um, and fundraise for it, it was something that people were very unfamiliar with. Um, as a, as a business model, as a, um, product and, you know, culturally it does, it, it did create a lot of weight, um, and friction for us to be able to raise money from traditional VCs, um, just because, you know, they, the, the closest thing to a benchmark would have been, um, you know, alcohol back in the 1920s or 1930s when prohibition ended and that, you know, the, those numbers, it's been a century since that happened. Um, and so you know, there really wasn't a good way for professional institutional investors to be able to wrap their heads around the cannabis space and particularly an investment, um, you know, where technology is involved, cannabis is involved, you know, not to say it's a schedule one drug still federally. Um, and there's a lot of risk involved that, you know, if you're a, if you're a fund manager, a lot of the people you raise funds from might not be a like open to the investment due to the financial risks and the legal ramifications, but also they might also they might not just be um, you know culturally or morally sound with this investment just because on a personal level they might not be um, open to the idea of supporting a cannabis business due to the fact that it's a Schedule One drug after all. Yeah, the stigma is is just so rampant and it's it's unfortunate. Now, the regulatory environment that you deal with now. Uh, there was an interview you did uh, with. One of the co-founders, Jun Lee, and you were interviewed by Forbes. It was a Q&A that was uh, published a few, about a month, two couple of months back. And mm -hmm. the reporter asked you about when it comes to startups that work in highly regulated industries or industries that deal with products that are not legal on a federal level, but are at state and city levels. He's asking about the challenges in navigating regulatory. And you said that, quote, the difficulties lie in understanding the licensing process and ensuring you're operating in a compliant way, even though the rules are changing every few months. And the larger picture, we have to understand how the federal landscape is changing. And we also have to manage regulations across each state as well, even though each one has their laws similar to the way alcohol regulations change across state lines. And uh, Forgive me, there's a lot of good quotes you get out of here out of a lot of things from the research I got for you not here to go and ask the same questions every other show does, but I wanted to just take that into context and ask you how much of right there, what you said encompass how you manage your business. Um, I mean, it definitely shapes our business from start to finish. You know, when we first started this business, it wasn't just like, like we could start a Delaware C Corp and then just start operating out of it and raise funds out of it. We had to really consider how we wanted to scale our business from state to state. Um, and around the legal barriers and even somewhat have to kind of predict where uh, the policies would end up shaking out and falling into place um, so that, you know, we wouldn't have to suffer serious legal bills down the road to restructure our company in any which way. So for us, like we have a, you know, we have a corporate structure where we have a holding company that's unlicensed and then within each state, um, that holding company manages each subsidiary, each state subsidiary corporate entity that is the operating company, the licensed operating company. So yep. when we expand to new states, we basically just add on a new entity and attach it to the parent. Um, and that way when investors uh, invest, they invest into all the companies at once. So that way we kind of contain the accounting and the finances um, 
you know, keep, keep the accounting and finances isolated as, as well as the operations isolated state by state, just because it's federally illegal. Now I want to ask because we've already brought up the obstacles, brought up the stigma. And I feel like every week on this show, I discuss the underlying stigma of cannabis as it relates to the perception by mainstream culture. When you see what the media says and what people are thinking about it that are not involved, there's just, you know, it's a completely different, it's outside of a bubble for something, for some reason. Now, you talked about that and talking about the call to action to it. You explained that, quote, if you can come to terms on the financial and personal sides of the risk of getting involved in a highly regulated and stigmatized industry, and you genuinely believe it will be part of the future, then it makes sense to get involved. So let's talk about getting involved. How do you think, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about, it's handling the stigma as a whole, what to do about it, and how do you hope yourself and others that work with you can bridge that gap? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is um, spending time talking to folks like yourself who have um, you know, basically a, a megaphone to the larger uh, audience of non-cannabis users, um, cannabis users alike, um, but they're already convinced. Uh, so it's a it's a matter of kind of reaching out to as many folks and educating them, uh, educating them. So it's it's a lot of um, you know doing talks and uh, with a lot of data points to support it and scientific backing and the fact that it's not just recreational for fun to get high and it's could be harmful, but the fact that um, it has medicinal uses, um, it can uh, it can relieve pain, it can c- cause a cure a lot of symptoms for um, you know anxiety and seizures, um, and it has a lot of uh, other health benefits as well. So you know, cannabis is also seen as uh, a wellness uh, herb, uh, and wellness products are starting to like traditional wellness products. Uh, like lotions and topicals and face masks are starting to include, um, you know, CBD in their um, in their in their product categories just because it does help um, the the skin or whatever it may be at your body um, at the end of the day. And so, it, a lot of it is people's predisposition to thinking that um, this is all just like a Schedule One, like the devil's lettuce, you know, the bad, like right. such a bad substance, um, but. A lot of it is, you know, teaching them that here's what the data supports and that it won't actually kill you. It's less harmful than alcohol but and it can definitely actually help. What somebody's got to get in front of these people when the, when the media or whoever, get, when there's that opportunity to go and speak out. I mean, with within our industry, among, among friendly outlets like this, that's one thing. But when you get put in front of a cable news outlet or a newspaper and somebody confronts and that person's not available to go ahead and be privy to say the right thing when it comes to whatever question that comes at them. Somebody's going to be able to defend. I don't think anybody's doing enough work out there for that. So, I mean, someone like you, if you were able to get in front of a camera and we had more people that were well-versed that could go out there and take a good debate and come back on a bait and basically check somebody down, that will be something that will be really important for the industry. We're talking with Vince Neen, the co-founder and CEO of Nabis. We're going to talk more with him. A lot more questions coming up. Stick around after the break here with more Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, pink, that's the point. Download 
and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a Approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business presented by Strainwise Consulting. We're back with Vince Ning, the co-founder and CEO of Navis. Let me talk to you about stigma when it regards to your wholesale transportation business. Now, at a panel meeting this past summer, Hezekiah Allen, he's executive director of the California Growers Association, proclaimed that the cannabis industry is sliding towards an inevitable bust. He told in a recent interview to Leafly.com, quote, it's a circus. Legalization is not going well, citing that there are way too few retailers in the state the regulated market has actually contracted, while at the same time, regulated supply has expanded. With comments like that, I'm sorry, what's the real truth from your perspective about supply and demand in California? Uh, I think the real truth is that right now, just because the industry is so nascent, that may be the snapshot that he was taking uh, when he was making those comments. But you know, to be to be truthful, there are only about 500 dispen- retail dispensaries in California to which we sell to. Um, close to 90% of them, um, and it's it it is one of those things where the the state needs to um, you know provide better regulatory um, you know guidance such that I mean I know I understand why they're trying to make uh, such stringent regulatory rules, um, but and and you know due to the fact of its historical stigma, um, but. I think the state needs to do a better job of just making sure that the rules and regulations are favorable to businesses in a way that it helps create lubricant while still enforcing safety for the product. Um, so that way more businesses can thrive. Currently the tax rates are like pretty high and it limits a lot of the, the, the supply in the market. But one thing's for certain is that recreationally the demand is, um, you know, is, is increasing at, 30%, um, you know, annually, year over year. Um, and so it, you know, through to the next seven or eight years. And so demand is there. It's just a matter of how the supplier can make sure to get quality products safely, um, you know, from seed to sale now, uh, that's without important. gouging the consumer. Right. And let's talk about the quality because 
The Bureau of Cannabis Control, over the summer, they began delivery enforcement. So dozens mm-hmm. of licensed cannabis delivery services can drop statewide under the current rules. But while they say more legal delivery options could draw consumers away from the illicit market, police, cities, and a cannabis union of physical stores are pressuring the Bureau to ban licensed statewide delivery. So Navis currently distributes to more than 300 dispensaries across California. You're definitely in, entrenched into this kind of decisions that are being made. What's your take on it? <clears throat> um, so your question being, you know, right now with one license, we can deliver statewide and people are trying to limit that Correct. effect. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's true. I think it, it's mainly coming from like current operators trying to block out uh, new competition from coming into the market and protecting their own interests. Um, but, you know, for us, I think we got in early enough where, you know, we, we are getting more and more, we are getting multiple licenses to which we can deliver to multiple different, more, more places. Um, and I think a lot of those restrictions are actually um, surrounding the B2C side of delivery rather than the B2B side delivery. So there's actually uh, two bodies of uh, rules that govern each type of delivery, whether it's directly to the consumer or to retail dispensaries. And there's definitely less restrictions for us as a distributor just because, you know, we have to handle larger amounts of products. It's not, um, you know, the product that ends up um, directly at the consumer. And so, you know, for instance, the del- uh, a, a consumer delivery vehicle can only carry up to, I believe, $10,000 worth of product at any given point, and they need to have an order already placed before the product can leave a facility. Um, and then, but then for wholesaler, there's no such uh, restrictions on delivery or shipping. You can carry as much product as long as you have a sh- compliant shipping manifest that delineates all of the line items and things you're carrying in your car. Um, and you can ship anywhere across the state. And so, you know, a lot of the times I think the, the B2C and the B2B side of delivery is kind of muddled just because, um, people think of it as, you know, delivery is delivery, but in, in this very regulated environment, um, you know, the, the state sees it very differently. Um, and, and the distributor, although like the shipping is a little more like lenient, we do have a lot of compliant restrictions as well surrounding, um, you know, like vehicle caging, uh, cameras, GPS locators, um, all that sort of jazz. Um, and in addition, uh, the distributor licensed distributors are the, um, how should you say the kind of the accountable body licensed entity in the supply chain that manages all the compliant, um, like movement of product Mm -hmm. as well as the tax collection, all that, all the above. So, um, I I believe, I believe it's coming from the the motivation that the state wants to hold one party accountable for all these sorts of like compliance and tax accounting audit, um, things. And so that all falls under the distributor. So, you know, no product can actually get to a retail dispensary without having gone through a distributor. Yeah, I, um, I do yeah. appreciate you going through all this with me about California because it's such great information getting out of this because of just what you're dealing with. And I mean, you obviously your your team has been, has been handling very well given the circumstances. So let me talk to you about cannabis product trends. New Cannabis Ventures published a report on early market trends for California in 2018. Interesting study that they had. They showed that vapor pens make up a third of cannabis sales in California, the largest of any market. Compared to Colorado, California gets less sales from coming from either edibles or concentrates. 
compared to Washington and Nevada, flour and pre-roll make up a much smaller portion of total sales. Now, is that something similar that you've been taking away with some of the findings that your company has found? Yeah, I mean, I guess for us, just because of uh, our initial couple of clients, they were all flour and pre-roll companies. And I think I think it, it's a good general reflection of the, of the California market as well. It's just, you know, flour and pre-roll are... Uh, more or less like the the bread and butter of California right. growers. Um, you know, I would say something along the lines of like 70 to 80 percent of the product that gets out to other states in the U.S. legally or illegally comes out of California. It's almost like saying you have the best vineyards here in Napa Valley. You have the best uh, cannabis that grows in Humboldt County, um, and so. A lot of it is the the pride of the growers and the cultivators to sell the flower um, at a premium rate or you know whatever they're trying to whatever they're trying to sell it at. But um, there is a high, much higher velocity of products going through our distribution and what we see. Um, I mean, as a function of that, through the retailers to consumers as well. Um, for the flower category, for the pre-roll category, um, and then a little bit less for the edible category, um, just because you know, this is where it's all grown and people want to come to California, especially for tourists and, you know, smoke cannabis that comes straight, that's, you know, closer to the source. It's fresher, it has more resin, it has, you know, just more, uh, it's just, it's just a a fresher product. And so when people come to California, that's what they want to buy. Not, not like edibles that have been processed and manufactured already. Um, So, but then in other states, you know, that might not be the case. So, Couple more questions about California. I do want to get to. So let me get one more before we get into another break. California has a proposal now that's been made that would allow marijuana deliveries in communities that have banned retail sales of cannabis, as regulators are going against cities and police chiefs who are opposed to the rule. And the proposal could ultimately end up in court, as the state continues to set a myriad of rules of how cannabis is grown, tested, packaged, and delivered. What do you think about those potential changes in cannabis regulations and how it could impact businesses like yours? Um, are you talking about the new rules and regulations that came out a couple of weeks ago? Yes. Yeah, so that actually has stirred up a lot of commotion in the, in the industry and community at large, um, particularly around white labeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, amongst a myriad of other um, addendums and amendments to the existing rules and regulations, the one surrounding white labeling says specifically that you have to be a licensed entity, a licensed manufacturer who does white labeling has to work with another licensed entity to white label their product. So a lot of the brands out there, particularly on ease and um, you know out there in the market in general, um, come from brands who are just non-license holder um, you know, companies that are the marketing and the branding aspect and the design aspect of the product um, and help manage the, the messaging and the voice and the story, but they're not licensed themselves to do any part of the business, um, whether it be delivery or distribution or cultivation or manufacturing. And then they contract out a um, OEM manufacturer um, to help them make their product. Um, who is licensed. And so the rules and regulations specifically define that you cannot work in that sort of relationship. You can't get um, SOPs and SOWs from a non-licensed entity to produce product. You have to be working with another licensed entity one way or another. Um, So that creates a huge shortage in the market and particularly a lot of businesses who are built around it. First, the brands who are um, not licensed, they get 
you know, they get drawn, the, the line gets drawn where they're cut out of the whole pie. And then in addition, there's manufacturers whose whole business model has been built for years upon the fact that they do white labeling specifically for non-licensed brands. And so people are all up in arms about it right now. And um, currently the commenting period, yeah, and currently the commenting period has, has ended um, <laughs> for it um, where, uh, you know, cannabis operators like myself and others, manufacturers, and brands can um, submit their feedback. And uh, I believe the state is taking those uh, words into consideration right now and those sentiments to revise or review um, those rules. And I mean, I can see where the state is coming from right. by saying, you know, we want products to come out of people who are licensed and contained within this community so that it's, uh, you know, more, uh, they, they can have more oversight. Um, but then it does, uh, as I mentioned before, it just, it, it, it reduces a lot of the lubrication, the, the grease for which products can come to market. And, and, you know, it'll definitely shorten the supply of the, of the cannabis market in California. I think it's that'll really, be the larger effect of this all. It's truly funny that, you know, Sacramento wants to go and crack down on so many regulations, but again, it's a matter of, you know, they can't even regulate their own budget and manage their own government, you know, in most cases. So why are they putting their hands so fervently on the cannabis industry? But what can we say? I got one more question to ask about this, uh, about uh, things going on in California, but I don't mm-hmm. want to go away with this show without having you talk about Nabis, and we're going to ask about that, talk about your uh, software-enabled licensed uh, cannabis distribution, talk about your full suite of distribution services, logistics, sales, and software. I want to take a few minutes before we wrap up the show to go and talk about that. So please, everybody, stick around for that. And final questions with Vince Ning, co-founder and CEO of Nabis, here on Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back 
with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. You've been here with a fantastic guest here on Blunt Business, Vince Dean, the co-founder and CEO of Nabis. And he's been such a great sport asking, really, as I've been coming across, some real loaded questions that he's been knocking him out of the park. So got a few more for you before we wrap things up. In August, the California State Assembly effectively killed the bill. Oh, go figure. That would have paved the way for state chartered banks to handle finances for the expanding cannabis industry. Given that setback, everybody's always asking about this. What are your thoughts about banking and managing finances in general in this cash heavy <clears throat> cannabis industry? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> yeah, I think. What, what do I think? I think it's it's pretty difficult uh there's no long-term solution currently besides federal legalization just because most of the uh you know well-known banking partners are you have to abide by fdic laws and because of their federal uh governance uh, and their relationships there um they're very reluctant to have cannabis companies bank with them uh, i think they do see it as um you know as as business people they do see it as a huge market that they would love to bank for but it does create a lot of compliance um issues for them um you know particularly around uh money laundering and so uh and and but then what that creates is just a huge cash business in this industry and um there is a lot of overhead to managing that cash we have full-time uh cash counters um people who manage our books um, and it does have to increase our security costs as well surrounding this um you know the nature of this industry um and how we manage our finances um and you know with banks i, I think some credit unions are are open to it, but it's a very much like a don't ask, don't tell policy where um, you have to know someone at the uh, C level, at the head level of the company who will help, um, you know, who will help you manage your finances almost as like an account by account basis, as like an enterprise client um, deal with this sort of stuff. But um, it is it is fewer and far in between um, the banks that can help uh, cannabis businesses. We're at the end of our show, but now I want to give you a few minutes. Let's go ahead and talk about NAMIS. Let's talk about your about what you're doing today and what uh, people should know about NAMIS uh, in general if they're interested in learning more and inquiring more about what is it that you do and how can people learn more. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, NAMIS is, a, as you mentioned earlier, a full suite cannabis distributor that's software enabled. Um, you know, we started out doing logistics and sales and, trans and, and transportation, storage, and all the above. Um, and, you know, with the software overlaying on top of it, it really makes us more of a self-service distributor. So um, whereas traditional distributors can only carry so many brands um, before it gets really complex and messy, um, we, we have it in such a way where uh, we can onboard as many brands as possible. And it's almost like you're booking an Uber um, to ship your products from point A to point B uh, without having to talk to a soul in the company. You can get your products out there to retail dispensaries. Um, and so we're trying to make it much more of a fluid process to get your products um, wholesaled out to retail dispensaries in California. And, um, you know, we're, we as a distributor are not trying to be the bottleneck for the supply chain. In fact, we're actually trying to help more brands get to market as fast as possible. Fantastic. So again, how can people can learn more about what should be pointed out when they go to the website and where can they learn more? Well, maybe tell us sure. if there's anything coming up on 2019 where people can go and, mm -hmm. you know, see NABIS, uh, for, you know, front and center and how they can learn yeah. more. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we do have a lot of uh, news that comes out that gets posted on our website, uh, which is uh, you can go find that at www.getnavis.com. 
And if you're a cannabis brand, retailer, or other distributor, someone who might be interested in working with us, um, you can also go to our website and uh, fill out a submission form or uh, reach out to us um, at contact at getnabis.com. Um, and, you know, you can find us there. Uh, you could also check out our Instagram. Um, it's at getnabis, G-E-T-N-A-B-I-S. Uh, you know, we have pictures of our operation, uh, news, um, you know, other things that are going on in the industry, uh, just to stay updated with what we're doing and what the community at large is doing as well. Fantastic. So, again, if everybody would learn more, you can go and again, go to G-E-T-N-A-B-I-S dot com to learn more about Navis. And, again, Vince Ming, CEO and co-founder of Cannabis, you have been an awesome sport today. Thank you so very much for being on with us. Yeah, thank you for the time and really appreciate the opportunity here. Absolutely. We're glad, we're glad to have you and hopefully uh, we can keep in touch and make sure we can always uh, find out more updates that are going on with you and your company uh, down the road. Best of luck in 2019 for you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, wonderful. Now, listeners, if you are looking to get your foot in the door of the cannabis industry as well as entrepreneurs looking to start their own marijuana business, well, by all means, check out Strainwise Consulting by going to www.strainwiseconsulting.com and make sure that you know Cannabis Radio sent them to you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Blunt Business. You can download past episodes and this episode of Blunt Business by going to CanvasRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. Take care. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab an ice-cold Dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the Dew. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.